have John McRitchie, Assistant Vice President, Zone Learning at Ryerson University, Sherry Coburn, CEO at Spark Center, and Terry Rock, CEO at Platform Calgary. John, perhaps you could help situate us around the incubators that you oversee, including the DMZ, which is very well known. And the focal point here is how do we enable the entrepreneurs with the access to capital, the resources, the mentorship that they need to sustain their companies in the short term, and then to contribute to the economic recovery. And to John Ruffalo's earlier point, speed is of the essence, and Ian made this point as well. If we move too slowly, the work of the last 10 years will just be decimated, and we will be building the ecosystem at least you know two or three years behind where we should be. So over to you, John. Thank you, Claudio. And thanks for the opportunity to speak this afternoon. I think a lot of the observations that we've had across the, the 10 zones or 10 incubators that we have within uh, Ryerson are the same as the, the same observations that, that the other speakers are, that John and Siri and Ian have all, all cited. I mean, we've, you know, over the last few weeks in, internally, I mean, we've moved to Marison quickly to move everything online in terms of our programming. And as happens when you have a crisis like this too, people do get innovative and respond. We've seen not only just moving sort of programming and activities that we would have in terms of meetings with, with founders and, and roundtables and things like that, but, but actually new programming being coming out that, you know, specifically responding to the current situation. And so we've, we've tried to adapt as quickly as possible and we had to move quickly. We were, we had to be out of our spaces within, we moved within the institution to only operating essential services back um, on the Tuesday of the week of 13, 14, 15, week of the 15th, I think, uh, at that day. So so we had to get our teams out or the members out of, out of the spaces. For the most part, that that went pretty well. We do have spaces where there are there's equipment and, and uh, people actually making product or that that's probably been one of the big challenge areas is what do the people who are making things do in the, in the meantime and how do we do that? So we, we, and we're, you know, we're looking what we can do there. So the teams that we have within Ryerson really cover a spectrum. They go everything from people with ideas and even pre-idea in some cases, working with them all the way through to um, companies that are, that are formed that we're really working with them in the DMZ, for example, or the biomedical zone where we're talking about trying to accelerate their growth and particularly the, some of the programming that DMZ has been doing over the last couple of years around sales acceleration. For those companies, some of the programming that's exists that's come out has been, would be valuable. They're able to maybe able to take advantage of it. They could show with all the caveats that have been raised before. But the bigger concern I think is, is we're really seeing the founders that, that who, that don't are, who are pre-revenue or at that very early, early stage of development, that they're the ones that, that are, are at this point falling through the gap. And, you know, I had one founder notice that I was speaking today. She reached out last night and, and she's in, a, in an esports business that she's getting going. And she saw that I was speaking on this and just kind of went through her very typical situation. She basically has been doing everything that probably we would have been advising a company at her stage to be doing six months ago or two months ago, which is, you know, minimize your burn rate. You don't need to take a salary. Don't do it. You know, put the money where you need to be spending cash. All of those things are also the things that today mean that probably she's just not going to be eligible for the support that that's come out so far. You know, so so what do we do with with those those teams, those companies? And I'm 
you know, at the same time, very sympathetic to the challenge the government has is how do you, how would you pick? How do you decide which ones of these? So it, 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 like coming up with some ideas that are a way around this. So you get good quality opportunity, good founders that have been working hard on this. What can we do? What sort of criteria could be there that could, that we could support so we don't lose them? Cause as it's been pointed out, you know, we really spent the last 10 or 15 years building a more entrepreneurial culture in Canada. And we're seeing that we would really be been seeing the, the fruits of that in the last couple of years, you know, and if we come out and I'm particularly thinking, cause we deal with a lot of early stage companies, a lot of young founders, students, recent graduates, and a lot of the, the programs that are, you know, if we come out of this and, and they're going to be looking at this and saying, you know, geez, like really the safety and the opportunity is going to be in, you know, with big companies or with the public sector, you know, we're going to have a real battle to, to get them back into thinking about options to, to starting companies and, and whether they do it now or even in the future, because they're going to remember this experience. So just to, sorry to wrap up, I mean, from my side, I mean, the idea is I think it's like, is there a way, maybe if a wage, founder wage sort of situation, but definitely what John said, this is an opportunity to do things that maybe weren't popular up until now, like that angel tax credit, people have been beating on that door for years. Maybe we can get it through now. We're trying to do some stuff to get more work to be done around thinking about how is research commercialized, getting that thinking done in parallel with the research so that those skills and that thinking is being done while that those investments and research are being made right now. You know, looking at some of the things that are being done in Europe right now and start thinking about what do we do as we come out of this? How do we restart and, and get some of these really early pre-revenue companies and get people back into that game as quickly as possible? Kerry, you're on the ground in Calgary, which was already in a pressurized environment and the ecosystem was emerging in a, in a meaningful way. What's your, what are you seeing on the ground? How are the entrepreneurs being impacted? Is, is this as disastrous as it looks like? Yeah, I think, you know, Alberta has the, I think our premier calls it the triple whammy. And, and I, yeah, it's at least a double whammy because the depth of the economic challenge here is, is massive with oil prices. And, you know, the result of it is that our, our ecosystem is highly tied to that sector. So we end up kind of getting, getting hit extra. Although maybe there's a, a bright light in that the digital transformation of industry is something where we could see some bright light in the future. You know, government's attention tends to be uh, more on that, saving that industry and, and you know, the massive job losses that have been felt there already. And they kind of have an aversion to tax credits. <laughs> so we've, we, do, we, we are fortunate that there was a, a innovation capital working group that pr- proposed solutions last Friday. So they had the opportunity to incorporate some of the challenges. So our key message is now more than ever, if you think about the future of this province and, and our regions is that it's going to be innovators and entrepreneurs and the investors that support them that get us there. In Calgary, we had already been talking about uh, 5Xing our ecosystem all throughout the whole uh, funnel, going from to over a thousand thriving startups having a mature tech ecosystem. So, you know, to us, this probably means that instead of a 10 year uh, timeline for that, we got to do it in five. That's our role in our economy. And so, you know, that's, you know, how are we going to grow jobs? It's going to be new companies uh, that are fast growing that are going to be the people that are hiring. And we're talking, we're going to need billions of new GDP and tens of thousands of jobs. So how do you get there? This is what we've been working on. I'm co-chair of the Alberta Innovation Corridor, 
bringing the Calgary and Edmonton ecosystems together, together with Cheryl Watson from Innovate Edmonton. And we just think that, you know, we're talking massive increases in startup activity, massive increases in retraining talent, getting people both to start companies, but also change their skill set. And then, of course, we need to get industry connected in so that these startups, they have a place to sell their tech, which, as John mentioned, you know, when the market goes away, um, what are we going to do there? So this is a full steam ahead. And then, of course, then we have to unleash the capital, uh, early stage investment, fill that gap that was there before. And But now we're talking about quantums of money that are sitting on the sidelines that need to be activated. So, the, so you know, now more than ever, uh, the story from Alberta is to do this. And as everyone said, the time, like we're, we're, taking, we're taking our time. And the message of the pandemic was, you see the wave coming, get on it. So that should be our message is that let's move at the speed of trust. Let's move things in and audit later if we have to. That's how I think that, you know, for us, when we're talking to our institutional partners in government, I think that's kind of the sentiment that we should all be echoing. Sherry, moving at the speed of trust, any thoughts there in terms of how we can enable policy to move faster so that the funds are flowing and, and the entrepreneurs are, are supported at the speed that they need to before, before we, we run out of time and then we're building from, from behind the finish line? Yeah. So, gosh, that's the million dollar question, right? You know, how do we move government policy, you know, into, you know, top gear? I can't say I know the answer to that one, but, you know, what we're doing, I think much like Jerry, we are, you know, doing what we can to reduce the burden of our, our clients in hopes that it will be kind of an intermediary uh, position until these policies drop in. You know, we've done very similar things, you know, rent abatement for the first quarter of, of this fiscal period. We have, you know, completely transferred everything that we do into online. We haven't, you know, missed a beat there. So at a time when our clients are, you know, really need our support, we're still there with them and meeting with them every day. You know, we are, we've been working with a company, uh, RMD Capital, for probably the past year, and they are, it, it hits on the shred, you know, idea of getting, you know, your shred money out sooner. So they, you know, they do that. I'm thrilled to hear that the government is, is stepping up on that one because I think that's just a really easy, you know, fix, give people their money. But we're also seeing, you know, some interesting opportunities. And you know, we have, uh, one of our clients who the company is Declano, they have a, they're sort of a, one of our international clients and they um, have this live streaming platform that enables, you know, influencers to live broadcast across, you know, multiple channels. So they're actually seeing an, a, an uptick in revenue because of course, as you know, the world has gone online, tools to do that, you know, better, faster, more quickly you know, has become very vogue. So his business is, is increasing. But then we have other companies that are in, you know, big infrastructure type uh, projects that um, are still seeing the sale of their product, but their supply chain is dragging because, of course, they can't get parts from China, et cetera. So it's kind of, you know, all over the map. But I do think that the opportunity that's in front of us right now is, you know, we everybody's social distancing, and yet I'm also hearing things like I'm able to get, you know, I'm able to fill my sales funnel more easily than I used to be because people are taking calls and connections through LinkedIn and these various platforms. So 
you know, it's, it's not all doom and gloom, but I do believe that uh, the ripple effect of this is going to be long felt. You know, our Sparks clients uh, are typically pre-revenue. You know, 50% of our clients will be pre-revenue. The other will be under sort of the 500,000 uh, annual recurring revenue. So these are the fragile, you know, these are the very fragile startups. And whatever we do, we need to not make this journey even more fragile for them because we definitely will lose some along the way.